Hello everyone and welcome to Rolling Forward. I am your host Ben Baldieri and thank you for tuning in. Rolling Forward is dedicated to exploring topics related to mental health and sports and the interplay between the two. I'll be talking to high performers in various areas such as sport, entrepreneurship and business about their experiences with mental health and the struggles they have had and in doing so seeking to broaden the dialogue. Mental health is a huge issue which has historically not received the recognition it deserves so I'm looking to do my bit to change that. My guest today is Byron Morrison. Byron is an executive coach who helps CEOs handle the shadow side of success and stop operating from a state of mental emergency so they can make better decisions, execute without overthinking and handle new levels of pressure. He does this with his Evolved CEO program, which draws upon his diverse experiences in the business world from health, nutrition and psychology and helps his clients to quite literally up level their brain power. In this conversation, we explore the creation of the Evolved CEO program and how the diagnosis of his father with cancer provided the impetus he needed to take control of a professional life that was leaving him unfulfilled and transform his life in the service of others. We also dig into how right now, with everything that is going on with COVID-19, provides a massive opportunity for businesses that are able to make the most of the challenging circumstances and how individuals can do the same. Byron is an incredibly knowledgeable guy whose broad experience give him a really unique perspective on how you can optimize your mindset and thusly optimize your life. So this conversation is packed with easily actionable points. So make sure that you grab a pen and paper and enjoy it. Thank you. Good evening, Byron. Hey, thanks for having me on the show today. Thank you very much indeed for coming on. This is yet another LinkedIn connection that has led to a conversation, so much appreciated. No, it's amazing, kind of, especially with everything kind of going on right now, how many people are kind of coming together kind of through LinkedIn. Mm. Kind of, I run my own podcast as well, and I've had the opportunity recently to speak to so many incredible people from around the world. It's just crazy how this one like platform is kind of uniting us in kind of such a difficult time. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and the going to the nature of the platform, just the, the amount of positivity that you see relative to, say, Facebook, <laughs> as an example, is, is fantastic. It's such a kind of night and day difference. Like, if you go on Facebook, it's all kind of doom and gloom. It's yeah. like, we're all going to die. The world's <laughs> crashing down. And then you go on LinkedIn, and people are kind of like pulling each other up and kind of like pushing people to keep moving forward and kind of helping and supporting. Like, the amount of people I've kind of seen just putting offers kind of out there of like, I just want to help. I want to make a difference. And it's so encouraging kind of seeing our society come together like that. Yeah, for sure. And it's been just like as an experience, there's obviously so much ambiguity in seeing people um, adapting to it and also thriving in some instances, like the success stories that you see. Sure. There's people who are going through really stressful periods and it's not to, to put anything down about what's happening there, but there is a huge amount of opportunity out there at the moment as well. Yeah. I kind of, um, I was talking to someone recently and this is one of the like most profound kind of like brain moments I had about all of this. And he was kind of explaining to me that in his kind of opinion, until recently running a business was basically like bowling with the bumpers up. Mm. and so much of life was exactly the same like you could essentially just kind of drift through kind of bounce off the sides eventually 
you would kind of land up hitting at least a few of the pins. Whereas now kind of we're in a new game. There's a new level. We all of a sudden, one mistake can be absolutely catastrophic, which is really where it's going to start to separate the people who have the right mindset and are willing to take the right actions. And those who essentially are going to take their ball and go home. Mm -hmm. I think we're going to see a massive divide between those who thrive and those who kind of go under, which is why I'm such a kind of believer in now more than ever, we need to be focusing on actually our own mental kind of health and mindset to make sure that we can kind of not just weather the storm, but come out stronger on the other side. For sure, for sure. So things like um, the soft skills, like resilience, um, having a growth mindset, being able to take the ambiguity, run with the ambiguity, see the opportunities behind the adversity and that. Not just that as well. I'd also say also recognizing that you can't afford to be like an ostrich sticking your head in the sand. Yeah. Because a lot of people are doing it. They're just kind of like, if I hide from the problem and avoid it, hopefully it'll go away. And kind of like we were talking about before you kind of hit record, the world has changed. We're entering a phase where we're never going to go back. We're going to have to adapt to this new normal. And the quicker we can kind of recognize that and start to actually see how we can evolve and kind of grow is what's really going to set us up for the rest of our kind of life, not just in a business sense, but a personal sense. Like we have to kind of adapt to what's going on. For sure. And I think that is the the perfect segue into talking about your Evolved CEO program. So you are a, you're an executive coach. Come. Yeah, it's kind of executive slash CEO coach yeah. slash high performances. A lot of kind of like labels thrown around for it, mm-hmm. but that's kind of essentially what it boils down to. Mm-hmm. And the Evolve CEO is, a, is your like proprietary program. Yeah, it's something that I've kind of developed over the last kind of five years uh, to kind of put into perspective kind of what it is, is for a lot of the kind of clients I work with, they've kind of built their business through strength and willpower and essentially like pushing a boulder up a hill over the last few years, they've kind of grown it. But the problem that they then find themselves in is while that mentality worked when they were just focusing on kind of building, all of a sudden they find themselves in a situation where now they have to manage a team. They have to deal with stakeholders. They have to juggle all of these different hats where they're now at a new level of problems And while their business has evolved, they themselves have stayed the same. And the reality is the level of thinking, the level of action and brain power that got them to that point isn't going to help them sustain it or to continue to grow, which is essentially where I come in. It's all about helping them upgrade their brain power and level of thinking so that they can actually lead their business forward to continue to grow and get to where they want to be. So when, when you're saying upgrading brain power and level of thinking, is that in terms of changing the way they think? So from more of a, like a down in the details sort of view to big picture, like how do things fit together? How do you mean, what do you mean by those terms? It's very much kind of looking at how their kind of brain's baseline programming operates. Okay. Because like I said, a lot of the time they'll come in where all of a sudden they find themselves in a situation where they have so many different things to do that they're constantly bouncing around from one task to the next. They have a million different things on their to-do list. They feel like there's never enough minutes in the day. And we really need to hone in and focus on what actions do they actually need to be taking. 
what are they doing to really keep their kind of mental resolve under control is at that level, as I'm sure you can imagine, the amount of stress and pressure involved where if you make a wrong decision can bring everything down for a lot of people in that position causes them to procrastinate to kind of overthink every single detail to doubt themselves to be held back by fear it's kind of getting to the root cause of why they've kind of got those glitches in their brain's operating system and upgrading their kind of internal processing power so that they can actually follow through with them mm-hmm. so it's looking at everything from their performance to their emotional control to what they're actually focusing on and also making sure that they're consistently showing up at their best. So yeah, it's upgrading every part of their own kind of thinking and emotional control to actually perform at that level. Fantastic. And what is the, what's one of like the common issues that you find that your, your clients struggle with? I'd say probably the biggest one is they're going through life constantly reacting to the world around them. Like if you think about it, it's essentially they're now in a position where their days are putting out fires, they're solving other people's problems, they're dealing with conflicts. It's constantly in this mode where they're responding. And when you react in the moment, Mm -hmm. it's essentially causing you to fire from the hip where you make an impulse decision that often you might look back and regret And this is something that happens to all of us. But when you're kind of playing at that level, the stakes are so much higher. Mm -hmm. And with it, a lot of what I find is I call it their emotional control panel. Whereas if you think of it like a computer, it's all down to their brain's programming where it fires on autopilot. They have this emotional response where that's programmed into their brain's conditioning. If you think of kind of like an everyday example, uh, I love to use road rage where you're kind of driving down the road, all of a sudden someone pulls in front of you and you react screaming and shouting and calling them an idiot and saying they don't know how to drive. That's an emotional control panel firing on autopilot. Whereas instead, what we need to do is the mindset work to access it because in those moments, what's happened is out of your control. It's done and you can't change it. But By actually upgrading your brain power, what we can do is unlock your ability to choose how you respond to it. Because instead of reacting, you can then stop, notice, observe, and then choose your emotional response, essentially allowing you to take two steps back, really understand what's going on, and then react accordingly. So it's a complete kind of turnaround in, instead of being reactive, being far more proactive Mm-hmm. so that t- developing the ability to kind of detach from a situation instead of seeing it from a subjective standpoint whereby you are identified with your emotions as like i am sad or something and then you're looking at a situation through a specific lens it's being able to take a step back see that the lens is there and then choosing to look around it in a different way if possible is that my, is my understanding correct yeah. it's kind of looking at all of these kind of challenges as they kind of come up Mm -hmm. and rather than having that mentality of, oh, I need to react, I need to respond, I need to deal with this now. Instead, it's actually having the mental capacity to be able to be stop and be like, okay, this has happened. I can't change it. But what is all of the options available to, to me, which is going to be the best path of action? Where do I need to go in order to kind of either fix this or make it better or kind of open up a new pathway it's kind of seeing all of that 
before reacting. Whereas often with, with that kind of old kind of brain processing, it's just react, then have a new set of consequences, then react, then a new set of consequences, and kind of never breaking that cycle. Mm. So, how would you go about developing that disconnect? If if you if say I was someone who had never been in the headspace whereby I've been able to kind of see the distance between my emotions and me, as it were. How would you create that distance for someone? So there's a load of, like in the first session with every client, there's kind of like a 30-minute kind of like mindset training that I take them through, which is kind of like all about kind of harnessing that and kind of activating the power of the brain where they realize that they can do it, which obviously we won't be able to go into now, but if kind of for anyone listening to this, one of the simplest and most useful kind of tools that I can kind of give them is whenever you feel your emotions kind of getting the better of you, before you react, put a barrier in the way. So because so often we react on impulse and we take an action without really thinking about it. So kind of make a non-negotiable kind of uh, barrier for yourself where you have to stop and do something else before you choose your response. That could be as simple as, let's say you find yourself in a situation where you lose your temper, you get angry, you get flustered, whatever it may be. Before doing anything about it, saying to yourself, okay, I need to stop, close my eyes, take a few deep breaths, regain my composure, and then evaluate what my options are. And the reason why that's so effective is if we take something like... um, NHS staff in the UK, there's a really kind of useful breathing technique that they get doctors and kind of critical care nurses to use in a moment of crisis where they breathe into a count of four, breathe out to a count of four, mm-hmm. into four, out, calming themselves down before they re- respond. And the reason why that's been scientifically proven to work is when you're in that heightened state, you're not thinking clearly you're kind of in a responsive fight or flight mode. And because of that, you make bad decisions. But by stopping and breathing, what you're going to allow yourself to do is lower your heart rate, which is then going to allow you to think clearer and it stops you reacting on impulse and then you can react accordingly. So it's just really simple stuff of that sounds really obvious, but we don't do it. Mm. It's just like before you react always make sure that you take that moment to kind of clear your thinking, calm down, and then choose your response. Mm-hmm. So taking a couple of moments to go through go through a breathing exercise and then upregulating the, the parasympathetic nervous system, helping to slow everything down. Awesome. Yeah. So being able to create this disconnect and then um, stepping out of a reactive frame of mind into more of a proactive frame of mind, that's one of the things that these individuals tend to struggle with. What's something else that tends to come up? Because you you mentioned um, that part of the the Evolve CEO model is helping these individuals deal with the shadow side of success. So what else kind of falls under that branch, that that area, in that shadow, as it were? (laughs) Well, the reason why I kind of talk about the shadow side of success Mm -hmm. so much is if you think of someone like a CEO or someone who runs a business or even like more normal kind of celebrity athlete or whatever you want to think of someone in a position of power, we tend to think of them as someone who has it all figured out, who has their life together, who doesn't have any problems. Everything's amazing. But whenever you shine a light on something, 
there's a shadow side as well. And the reality is a lot of those people, they're in a situation where they have a tremendous amount of pressure on them. They're under huge stress in order to perform. They've got people looking up to them. They have all of these responsibilities. If they make a mistake, it's not just them at risk. It's their team. It's their family. It's their business and all of the people around them. And that's a huge pressure to put on someone. And often I find that with people in those situations, the worst part about it is because everyone around them is telling them how amazing and successful and great they are, they bottle it up. They kind of put on this act to the outside world that they've got everything together, even though their internal state doesn't match their external success. And that's where someone like myself comes in because I'm such a firm believer that they need the external counsel to really, at a human level, talk to them so that they can vent, they can open up, they can bounce ideas. It's almost like having someone in their corner so they don't have to get in this ring and face this fight alone. Because even though they may be incredible at what they do, they are, at the end of the day, only human. And I think a lot of people forget that. They kind of put them up on this pedestal. And yeah, like I said, that's a huge amount of kind of pressure to put on someone. But on the other kind of side of that, that's the life that they signed up for. We don't need to essentially take the weight of the world off their shoulders. That's not what they want. But we have to kind of physiologically upgrade their shoulders so that they have an easier and better time at dealing with the weight. And that's where all the kind of like mindset and kind of upgrading their brain power work comes in because it's all about actually looking at where are those triggers, what kind of weaknesses do they have, where are they kind of falling short, and putting together a game plan of how can we actually upgrade and improve them. Kind of to give you kind of like a real-world example and yeah. something that would be really kind of valuable for anyone kind of listening to this is let's say right now, and this is something that I think everyone can apply, you've got an upcoming event in your diary. Let's say you've got a big meeting with kind of staff or you have to have a difficult conversation or you it might even be like a difficult talk you have to have with your partner. Yeah. Well, a lot of people kind of go into that and they'll just react to it as it happens. They won't really have a game plan. They won't really know what's going to go on. And because of that, that's where a lot of the out of control emotions come in where people then get defensive and they get angry and upset or whatever it is. A better way of approaching it is to understand, okay, I've got this potential challenge coming up. I need to sit down in advance and work out what are all the potential outcomes that could happen? How could this kind of go? What kind of challenges could come up? What could be said? And in your mind, put together a strategy of how you're going to deal with all of those different events. Um, as an example, I had a kind of client session a couple of days ago. They've got a big meeting next week with kind of some stakeholders where a lot of things could potentially go wrong. And we kind of broke it down. There's going to be three kind of outcomes of what's going to happen. And rather than him going into it and then having to react in the moment, we put together a plan of what is he going to do for each of those three avenues. So when one of them does happen, he's not going to react on emotion. He's going to know, okay, this is what I'm going to say. This is how I'm going to deal with it. And this is how I'm going to react to it. So it takes so much of that pressure out of it because also by going through it beforehand in your head, you're going to mentally prepare yourself so it doesn't take you off guard or kind of throw you off your game. Okay, okay so sort of preempting things before they happen, 
trying to anticipate wherever possible and then you've kind of already gone through the emotions beforehand as it were yeah. you know what to expect awesome yeah i think that's so such an important thing to do in so many areas of our life yeah like you can apply to something as simple as let's say you want to go to the gym later you can kind of go through your workout in your head and be like okay this is what i need to do this is what i need to hit this is how i need to show up you preempt exactly what needs to happen and then you know how you need to show up to handle it mm-hmm. you can do that with absolutely everything uh, it just becomes it essentially gives you the power back and so this is almost tapping into that notion of um deliberate practice as it were so going into a given situation um with a clearly defined goal as opposed to just kind of going into the situation and seeing where the situation takes you yeah exactly oh, awesome in terms of um, the individuals that you work with, is it generally men that you end up working with or does, have you found that women struggle with these issues um, in a similar sort of way? The kind of bulk of my client base, I'd say is about 70% men and kind of like 30% women. But it does kind of fluctuate. Like I'll have periods where I'll have kind of more women kind of reaching out to me and then it kind of it changes. I think a lot of the issues are similar but we have to deal with them in different ways. Yeah. I think um, kind of from the kind of woman kind of point of view, they're far more kind of focused on, okay, this is a problem. This is how I need to deal with it. I want to improve it. Whereas I find men are more likely to bottle it up and kind of hide it away and kind of put on this act. Mm. So as a coach, it's a very different approach that I have to take in order to kind of break through that. But I think, Luckily, with the kind of change in our society, I think men are becoming far more open to getting help. Whereas five years ago, there was still that, oh, you're a man, you need to kind of bottle it up and kind of put on the show. And I know that's something that personally I did a lot of my life. And it's something I'm so happy that we're kind of starting to recognize why it's so important that we deal with this. Especially if we kind of, like from a mental health standpoint, if you kind of look at the kind of, how much higher kind of like suicide rates are in men and kind of these kind of challenges that so many men are almost kind of ashamed to talk about. And yeah, we've still got a long way to go. But I think that the kind of progress that has been made over the last few years is amazing. I agree 100%. I mean, as you're saying, like five years ago, the the conversation taking place in the zeitgeist as a whole around depression and anxiety and mental illness and that just wasn't really a thing it was this strange ethereal taboo that you kind of venture into a conversation then everyone else just shuts down because they don't really know how to talk about it but now everything is moving in the right direction obviously still quite a long way to go in terms of people feeling comfortable but steps are definitely being taken in the right direction I think as well, that very much starts at the top. Like yeah. when you're kind of getting the CEOs and kind of business owners recognizing their own challenges and being open to address it. Because I've kind of had people that I've worked with, kind of we've got that under track and they've brought in new measures within their business to actually help their staff. Because if you kind of look, at especially kind of larger organizations, there's a lot of kind of cutthroat culture where if you make a mistake or show any form of weakness, you've got that fear that you could be out. Someone's going to take your position, which is why I think there was such a big stigma behind it because people don't want to show that they're suffering because they've got that fear of 
it could cost them their career. Yeah. But now I'm kind of seeing a shift where the kind of CEOs and business owners are addressing their own problems and then they're kind of almost cascading down the kind of hierarchy measures to help their staff and creating an environment where people openly talk about it and get the support that they need, which in my opinion is only a positive thing. Mm, yeah, agreed. 100%. Trickle down. Trickle down positivity, as it were. But, but it has uh, to come from the top, the top oh, which, yeah. For sure. For sure, agreed. And yeah, if, you, if you have someone who is at the top in a position that people are striving to be, if someone is on that pedestal and they are championing these causes, putting in systems and processes for those below them, then yeah, I mean, I can, I can fully see how that would lead to some very positive organizational change. So in terms of um, industry, are you in, involved with like a specific industry? Is it mm, or more like general CEOs? At the moment, it's kind of more kind of general, but I would say it's more kind of forward thinking. Yes. So I work with a lot of kind of people in marketing and okay. the technology field, and, but I've also kind of worked in the past with a lot of kind of legal and finance so it's very much the kind of FOSS pace, high pressure, big stakes, a lot on the line. Mm-hmm. And I also um, feel like um, those CEOs tend to as well kind of be younger, uh-huh. whereas a lot of the kind of other industries, you might have someone who is, and I don't mean this in a negative way, but kind of more in a fixed mindset. Yes. They're kind of, they've been in that industry. If we take something like the car industry, like they started in that, worked their way up. They've always ever done that. They're still in that old kind of mentality of what it takes. Whereas a lot of these kind of younger CEOs who have been in through startups and they've built a business, they've been more kind of aware of these kind of changes in kind of mentality and personal development and growth. And they've been more exposed to the workshops and the seminars and kind of the books and everything else involved with that. So they're more open to it. So, yeah, I'd say that's very much more the market that are not mm. just open to coaching, but also kind of resonates with that kind of positivity and motivation and kind of mindset work. Yeah, for sure. I mean, having having an interest in, in personal development um, on a more personal level, um, being able to leverage that interest to upgrade my own mindset from this notion of like this is what i'm good at this is what i'm always going to be good at i'm not going to be able to get better at it so okay i'm all right at this at the moment i'm not great but i know that i can get better and maybe i won't be able to do that at the moment but again in the future with deliberate practice with some consistent effort in the right direction then the sky is the limit as it were and also kind of building on that like one question i do get quite regularly which i believe is completely justified is people might say to me like what qualifies you to be a ceo coach and this is generally comes from the kind of like older generation who are like they think of like ceo coach and what i do of like helping them run their business and it's kind of illustrating to them that no i've not run a huge global organization but it's not my job to tell you how to run your business like you're ceo for a reason it's my job as a CEO coach to come in and focus on you. Like it's all about upgrading yourself so that you can then show up as that leader for your business. And mm. a lot of people, when they kind of get that reframe, they start to get it. 
Whereas those who are still fairly new to the coaching industry think that someone in my position is going to come in and tell them how to do their job better or how mm-hmm. they should be running their business. But I'm not a business coach. Like I'm not there to help you determine your strategy. But at the same time, a lot of the clients I'll deal with, they'll come to me to help them make these big business changing decisions. And it's not that I have the answer, but I know how to ask the right questions to make sure that they've thought of it from every angle. They've hit every kind of note and they know exactly that, okay, they've taken the calculated risk, they've got the right clarity and they know what to do. And that's what coaching is all about. So I'm seeing a big shift in that understanding, but I still get asked that a lot, which, mm-hmm. like I said, is completely justifiable. Like I think it's a very kind of valid question to ask. Mm, it's just that, the misconception that you're more of a consultant, as it were. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Because, yeah, I've regularly get asked, like, oh, if you've, even though I've been running a business for five years, so I've been doing all of that and kind of managing the team and all of that, like, it's still that kind of discrepancy of, like, why would I need someone else to come in and come in and tell me how to do my job? It's just like, that's not what someone like myself is there to do. Mm-hmm. So when you, um, when you say upgrading brain power and that, a lot of the stuff that you're doing is focused around mindset and um, the kind of underlying programming as well. Do you deal with any of the more um, physiological things? So for example, like the impact that diet can have on your ability to process, um, positive lifestyle patterns from like sleep and so on and so forth or is it more focused on like the the underlying psychology and thought processes in the kind of like my evolved ceo program what we kind of do is just the mindset side of it but inevitably if you aren't eating properly and you're exercising and you're you're not sleeping that's going to have a huge impact on your kind of mental state so with some clients it might be a case of we need to tackle their diet and their fitness and their sleep and everything else. Like that's one of the kind of benefits that I have kind of coming into this. My background is I'm also a qualified nutritionist and personal trainer. And my kind of like book when I first started all of this was all about kind of diet, exercise, nutrition. So I can come, come in with that physiological knowledge to help Mm -hmm. them fix that. But it's not kind of something that I talk about much in my kind of content or marketing because I don't want the kind of misperception that mm-hmm. I'm a fitness trainer or I'm a nutritionist. Yeah, of course. So that's one of those things of, yes, we deal with it, but it's not the kind of direct, I'm going to come in and fix your diet. Yeah. Because that's often not, it's very dependent on the individual. But it's mm-hmm. definitely a role. Because I'm sure you've seen, like, if you have a period where you're not sleeping properly or you're not eating the right foods, like, you're going to feel terrible. And you're never going to be able to show up at your best when you're feeling like that so it might very much be a case of their underlying issues is related back to that but Mm -hmm. that's also why everything i kind of do is tailored around the individual yeah we've got a kind of a process that we go through that allows us to really understand where their kind of shortcomings are and where they're struggling Mm -hmm. and then we can go through how to kind of correct them so it's not kind of like a cookie cutter let's come in and this is what we're going to do week one, two, three, four, and everyone goes through the same kind of process. Like we've got the same methodology of we're going to hit these four things that we might need to adjust it depending on where someone's at because everyone's different. Mm-hmm. And that's also why we get such kind of great results because it's all about the individual. Yeah. 
So what does that process look like? Um, is it a case of identifying where their mindset is as to where, as opposed, are they in like a growth mindset or are they in a fixed mindset? Um, the proactive reactive state that you mentioned as well. How does, what, how does that process work? So to kind of take you through it, there's essentially yeah. four things that we do. So the first thing that we have to do is an identity upgrade because what made us who we are today isn't going to help us become who we're meant to be tomorrow. And if anything, our current identity, our habits, our behaviors, and our beliefs might be holding us back. So that's why instead we need to get them clear on who it is they need to become, really auditing where they are now and what's stopping them from getting them to where they want to be. Because when we have that clarity, that's when we can reverse engineer the journey. And with all clients, I do it on a 90-day cycle because while I think it's great to have a big vision of where you want to get to and what you want to accomplish, with that, it can be very difficult to break that down. Whereas if instead we focus on 90 days at a time, then we can really kind of break it down into seven-day cycles. We can assess it, we can monitor it, and we can actually put together a plan to get there. Because by getting them clear on who it is they need to actually step up to, then we can think about, okay, how do we then break that down so they can evolve into that new CEO's habits, behaviors, beliefs, and non-negotiable parts of their day, allowing them to take a step forward. And that might be like you were talking about before, working out, okay, we need to focus on their diet. We need to focus on their, their stress or whatever it may be that's stopping them. So that's step number one. Uh, step number two, and this is something that with every client I do in the first session, regardless of kind of what they're struggling with, because it's the foundation, it's what we spoke about before of accessing their emotional control panel. Yeah. It's doing that mindset work that stops them from reacting and instead shifts them away to that they can access their emotions in a way that they can stop, notice, observe, and then choose their response. The third thing that we do is inevitably – Every single person, as they go through life, they're exposed to different situations, environments, and events that shape their mold of the world, that gets them to take on all these beliefs about who they are and what they can and can't do. And often those get so ingrained within us, we don't even know that they're there. They just come out as stories in our head, which explains why when these kind of CEOs reach a new level of success, all of a sudden, that kind of self-doubt kicks in. Um, we deal with a lot of imposter syndrome, a lot of kind of fear that they're going to get ousted as a fraud. So we need to kind of go through the mindset work to hit what I call the cognitive kill switch. It's about getting to the glitches in their mental operating system that breaks through those doubts and fears and replaces it with the new beliefs and kind of brain power to allow them to show up at who they need to be. And then the final thing is all about activating their innate superpowers. So it's kind of really installing the new thought pathways that are going to allow them to think faster, to make better decisions, to get more done in less time and really hone their focus. So that instead of being in a cloudy mental chaos, they can have the clear-headed focus to lead their business, to manage their team and really become the leader that they need to be. So that's essentially the kind of four-step process that we go through over a 90-day period. Yep. And we'll kind of touch on different bits throughout the journey, but it's kind of tailored around the individual depending where they're at. But mm -hmm. It all kind of starts with that clarity at the beginning of who do they need to become and then how can we kind of 
reverse engineer it. Mm-hmm. So figure out what the destination is and then work back from the destination as opposed to kind of plotting the route as you go. Yeah. Like to anyone kind of listening to this, like the biggest piece of advice I can give you, if you're struggling to work out what to do, so often people just kind of will do nothing because they're like, oh, I don't know how to get started. I don't know what I should be focusing on. If you start with the end result, one of two things will happen. Either you'll be able to break that down and be like, okay, I want to get here. What would need to happen to get there? And you can work backwards and you can uncover all of the actions that would need to be taken to get there. That will be the first thing that will happen. Or the second thing is, if you can work out the end result, you might not know all of the steps in between, but you'll be able to figure out, okay, this is the first step. And you'll know then what you need to do once you take that, then you assess and you work out, okay, what do I need to do next? Because if you have that end result in mind, you'll be able to keep working forward. But, which sounds really obvious, but most people don't do it. They just kind of get stuck and they have no clue where to begin. And you can apply this to everything, whether it's a business goal, it's a fitness goal, it's a health goal, it's a relationship goal, whatever it is, sit down. And I like to do it on pen and paper. Because mm-hmm. when you write it down, it kind of activates that part of your brain where you can process it properly. So physically write at the top, okay, this is what I want. What needs to happen to get there? And just you'll be amazed at what you come up with by just taking that time to kind of really kind of break it down and kind of structure it. So getting those kind of thoughts out onto paper as well and seeing where they lie. Yeah, I mean, on a, on a more personal level, um, I found that, if I was working towards something, but I knew what that something was such that I already kind of had my not necessarily entire route planned out, but I kind of knew what the steps were going to be, knew what I needed to do to get there. And then it becomes an awful lot easier to take that smallest possible step in the right direction. If I didn't have that goal planned out, then figuring out which direction that step could be when you're presented with myriad options is overwhelming, like paralysis by analysis. 100%. And this is kind of why when I'm working with clients, when we do like 90 days, I only ever get them to focus on the next seven days because it takes all the stress and pressure out of it because you go from this overwhelming, oh, I need to achieve this to I need to focus on this small step for these next seven days. And one big mistake I kind of see people getting trapped in is they put this pressure on themselves that they need to have the perfect plan or they need to have it all figured out. Whereas the reality is, like you said, you're never going to know all of the steps. Or even if you do, things change. Like you could have this 10-step plan of, what you're going to do working towards your goal and you could get to step number three and suddenly life can throw a curveball something could go wrong or on the other side of it you could figure out a better way or you could experience something or achieve something that opens you up to a new path and this is why i think we every single step we need to evaluate really go through what went right what went wrong what did we learn from it and then figure out step number two so even though it's good to have that kind of plan, always kind of open yourself up to the kind of mindset that things may change and that's not a bad thing. Like that doesn't mean, let's say you get to step number three and all of a sudden you have to go in a completely different direction. That doesn't mean you failed. 
That just means that you learned the lessons that you needed to, which is going to get you to where you're meant to be. And it's such a big shift in the way of thinking because a lot of people, and I include myself in this when I was younger, will beat themselves up over, oh, I wanted to achieve X. I didn't. So I'm a failure or I'm not good enough. Whereas actually, like if I use myself as a perfect example, if you look back five years ago when I started my business and where I thought I was going, I completely failed. Like this vision that I had at the beginning of what I wanted to do, like on paper, complete failure. Haven't got anywhere close. Whereas actually, if I look at it properly, when I kind of got through and I started working with more people and I figured out what I actually was passionate about and what I wanted to do and who I wanted to work with, it led me down a completely different path. Like I found myself in a completely different avenue that I've been able to help more people. I've been able to create a greater impact, build a bigger business. All of these amazing things have happened, but I didn't beat myself up over the fact that I wasn't sticking to what I wanted initially. Yeah. Like I said earlier, like when I got into this, my focus was on nutrition and weight loss. So I had this big vision of what I wanted to achieve, and it's all shifted towards mindset. So I found that was where my passion was. So kind of in short, like stop pressuring yourself to have it all figured out. Like every kind of failure, you can either look at it as a setback or as a learning opportunity to grow. Mm. Mm, for sure. And also like being wedded to a plan that you made five years ago doesn't necessarily make sense because you're probably going to be – a fundamentally different person to the one that you were five years ago when you made the plan. So the plan that that person made probably won't be the right one for you either. Yeah. Not only that, it's also like, I'm a huge advocate of what's going to make you happy. Like the amount of people who like you see every single day who are very successful, who have these great jobs, whether like if I use as an example, like I used to work with a lot of kind of, people in the finance industry and kind of lawyers and they're earning a lot of money on paper. They're very successful, but they hate their life. Like they're absolutely miserable, but they're sticking to it because they feel like it's expected of them. It's kind of, they went through university, they got this job. It's what their family wanted. And they just kind of stick it out because they're like, Oh, when I'm 55, I'll be able to retire and then I can enjoy my life. And it's like, there's such a, horrible way to kind of live like because i did the same like when i kind of got out of university i was like i'll get a job like i for the first few years of my career like i was on track to a life other people were deemed success but i was miserable like i absolutely hated what i was doing like it was a drag to get out of bed every single day and i see so many people in that situation and if they can learn anything from kind of my mistakes is that life is too short not to do something that you don't care about. Yeah, I mean, I went through a similar experience. You, you graduate university on a personal level again. I was tired of being in debt, so I thought, you know what, I'm going to go and get a corporate job in financial or something like that <clears throat> and then make a load of money and then I'll be fine. And then I'll be happy once I've made the money, but then you end up in the situation. <clears throat> Excuse me. You find that though the money may be coming, it's not really helping <laughs> Yeah, well, exactly what you said, something I talk about a lot in my kind of own content is so often, and every single one of us, I would say, is probably guilty of this in one way or another. We kind of tell ourselves that once something happens, then we'll be happy. Yeah. Like once we hit a certain financial goal, 
once we reach a certain milestone, hit a certain threshold, then we'll take some time off, then we'll prioritize our health, then we'll spend more time with our family. Yet, whenever we get there, it moves on to something else. Then, because with every new level of success comes a new level of problems. So if you're working really hard towards hitting a new milestone, convincing yourself that once you hit it, everything will become easier, it's not going to happen. Because when you hit that, then you have new customers to keep happy. Then you have a bigger team to manage. You have all of these new things and the goal constantly moves. And this is why I'm such a firm believer that we have to prioritize it now. Mm -hmm. It's never going to be the right time. It's never going to be easy. But the first step is making the decision that actually this has to become a priority. It has to become important. And also happiness is kind of, such an important thing that I don't feel like we can be putting it off because you never know when your time's going to come to an end. Yeah. It's kind of tapping into that stoic ideal of what is it? Memento Mori, remember you must die. Um, and it sounds quite morbid on a surface level, like remember you must die. That's that's a horrendous thing to say. But keeping and not necessarily, yeah, keeping an eye on the clock, as it were. It's like I'm miserable at the moment, but Time is also running out, so I should probably do something about it as opposed to, it's fine, I've got plenty of time. Things will get better in the future. When I'm 55, I can retire and then I can live and so on. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Like if I think back to where I was a few years ago, like I was just, like I said, I was in a good job, earning good money. I was on track to a life other people would say was successful. But I had times where I was so depressed, I didn't want to leave the house. Yeah, Like every day was a battle to get out of bed. And like I was so focused on just trying to make it through the day that I think at the time I didn't even realize how bad I felt. I was just yeah. trying to survive. And the kind of like big turning point for me was when my dad got cancer. Yeah. Uh, he landed up having most of his bowel surgically removed and wow. he spent 25 days in ICU, most on life support and breathing through a tracheostomy. And that for me was a kind of wake up call of how short life truly is. And it was only kind of after he, because at the time I was kind of overweight. I didn't have much confidence. I didn't, wasn't really looking after myself. I realized I had to change. So I kind of started learning everything I could about nutrition and mindset and psychology, trying to turn my own life around. It was only as I kind of dived into that that I started to realize how much his success contributed to him getting sick. Because at the time, he was doing exactly what we had spoke about. He was working 14-hour days. He was really stressed. He was overwhelmed. He was trying to juggle all of these different kind of responsibilities. And inevitably, it took its toll. And that was such a big factor why he got ill. And that's kind of why I started doing what I'm doing today, to help other people who are struggling on a similar path to that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's why I'm such a firm believer that every time we tell ourselves that once I reach this, then I'll t- make it, I'll focus on this part of my life. It's just avoiding taking responsibility for doing it now because mm-hmm. it's not easy. Like when you're running a business and you have all of these people looking towards you and you have so many responsibilities and so many things to get done, often the first thing that you'll sacrifice is yourself. Like you'll put your own health and family and well being kind of aside to kind of steer the ship there's your business. And the hardest thing I find with a lot of CEOs and business owners is being able to say no. But what often they don't realize is that actually by putting themselves off is actually more detrimental to their business. Because if they burn themselves out or if they get sick or if they get to a point where they're not making the right decisions or they're exhausted or they can't think straight, 
they're not going to be able to run their business properly. Yeah. So them taking that hour or that evening off or whatever it is for themselves, while it may seem in the moment like something they can't do, long-term, it can be hugely detrimental if they don't do it. So it's about having, like, a lot of it comes down to boundaries. It's about kind of, and that's why kind of when I talked about the first step and the kind of program of what we do is get them clear on who they need to become and what areas are kind of holding them back. Because once you have that clarity, and this is something anyone listening to this can kind of sit down and do themselves. Like if you think about where is it you really want to be 90 days time in every area of your life, not just your business, in your health, in your relationships, in your happiness, in your feelings about yourself. Think about where is it you want to be and then sit down and work out what needs to happen. Because when you have that plan in front of you, then you need to figure out what actions and behaviors have to become non-negotiable. Like the health one is a really easy one to kind of talk about because I think this is something that everyone can relate to. Like if you're kind of overweight or you're tired or you're not feeling good, it might be a case of you being like, okay, non-negotiable. I have to go to the gym three times a week. I have to have three balanced meals a, a day. I, or whatever, or I have to get eight hours sleep. That then becomes the first thing that you schedule into your diary, like non-negotiable before anything else that goes in. And then you build the rest of your life and kind of calendar around that. You figure that out first, whereas everyone else does it the other way around. They're kind of like, oh, I'll try and get everything else done and then I'll try and squeeze it in. And it never does. Like, I wear, like I'll put my hand up and be like, I've had days where I'm like, oh, I should have, I need to get to the gym today, but then stuff comes up and then it kind of gets pushed back, pushed back and then don't have time for it. Whereas if instead you schedule it in like you would a non-negotiable meeting with your biggest client, you're not going to miss it. And same as date night with your partner, time with your kids, time to relax, time just to go and get a massage and do something that is, doesn't involve brain power that you could switch off. All of that needs to be scheduled in. Yeah, as you say, like if you're not prioritizing something, then something else invariably becomes the priority. Like health is a a great example, Um, especially thinking about something like New Year's resolutions, for example. You start the year with all of these wonderful intentions, but you go from day to day. You don't have that end goal in mind because, like, you haven't gone through the the upgrade of the mindset is like okay i want to be a healthy person what does a healthy person do as opposed to i'm someone who's on a new year's resolution because you have these preconceived ideas of what a new year's resolution is you set yourself up for failure because this will probably be fine for a month or so and then i might fall off the wagon and then we'll see what happens from that yeah and the reason why it doesn't work is people go from one extreme to the next yeah like it's the same as kind of like a ceo business owner who's like i'm now going to have work-life balance and they go from working 60 hours a week to trying to cut down to 30 hours. It's just not sustainable. It's the same as that person saying that they're never going to eat chocolate again and going on this diet and going to spend every day in the gym. It's never going to last because yeah. they're setting themselves up to fail. And this is why what we kind of spoke about with the plan and starting steps, rather than trying to overhaul your entire life, mm-hmm. figure out what is the first step that you need to take? What is the one thing that you need to do that is going to allow you to follow through, get that right, and then build on it. Yeah. Like going back to the health example, because it's like the simplest one, but this applies to everything, is let's say your diet is awful, like you live on McDonald's and junk food 
and it's just awful and you're doing nothing. Rather than saying that from Monday, you're going to have salad three times a day and you're going to eat everything perfect, yep. which is probably going to be sustainable till Wednesday, say to yourself, <laughs> like, what's the first step that you can take? Yep. It might be a case of adding a portion of vegetables to your meal. It might be a case of for the next two weeks, I'm going to focus on having a healthy dinner. Get that right. Then what is the next thing? Going to focus on having a healthy lunch, healthy breakfast. Like work out what's the easiest thing. Do that to get your confidence up to see that you can make these changes, get it to become a habit and part of your routine, and then build on it. Mm -hmm. And this is the same is whether it's an issue in your leadership, whether it's a team with an uh, issue with delegating, whether it's an issue in even a different area of your life. Rather than trying to take everything on you and get perfect from the get-go, work out what's the one action you can take now, focus on that, get it right, and then build on it. Mm. And that's kind of like why I've built everything around this whole idea of evolving. It's kind of like getting you clear on who it is you want to become and then building on it piece by piece because evolution is not one of those things where you're at point A and suddenly you're at point B. It's kind of slowly growing and evolving and expanding over time. And it's such a different way of looking at things where you take that pressure off yourself to be like, oh, I need to be perfect. Mm, yeah like again like smallest possible step so on um on a personal level for you 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 mentioned that you were in a in a corporate job after you graduated hating it what did your journey into this space look like like what was the aside from the um your father going through cancer and you having to witness that experience um what was kind of the push for you that got you out of the fitness and nutrition space and into mindset where you are now? Um, for that, this is going to be a little bit of a roundabout answer. Yeah, There's sure. A reason why I'm going to kind of explain it like this, because I think a lot of people will reach out to me and they'll be like, oh, I want to find my passion and my purpose. And they feel like if they just meditate and think about hard enough, it's going to hit them in the face. And this is why I kind of want to tell the story, because I think there's a lot to kind of learn from it. Yeah, yeah. So, like one thing I think I kind of, and this might be on me that I don't kind of tell it properly. I make like it's come across in my kind of story before that my dad's cancer was this big turning point where all of a sudden my whole mindset changed and everything was different. Like it wasn't. Like it took time. Like I remember one of the big kind of turning points in the journey is one of my friends and I um, went on holiday to Greece, and at the time I was still overweight didn't feel comfortable in my body and I remember kind of seeing on the beach and across from us was this group of guys and they were playing volleyball they were surrounded by girls they were drinking they looked like they were having the time of their life and I was always the guy who was too ashamed to take my shirt off on the beach I remember just saying that thinking to myself why can't that be me and I kind of built up the story in my head that the reason why I couldn't have that life was because I was overweight was because I didn't have a six-pack, was because I didn't have muscles. So I kind of came home from that kind of journey, that trip, and I was determined to kind of turn it around. I was like, do you know what? For the last few months after my dad's cancer, I'd been going to the gym, I'd been dieting, I'd been put, losing some weight, putting it back on, going around in circles. I was like, do you know what? If I'm going to do this, I need to do it differently. So I started, I made a decision then and there that I needed to actually understand what I was doing. So I started learning about nutrition. I started looking at exercise, trying to actually understand what needed to go on. The more I kind of dived into it, the kind of better results I started getting. 
fast forward a year, I lost all of the weight. I kind of, I lost over 50 pounds. I finally had the abs I always wanted. I kind of looked in the mirror, finally had the body of my dreams. And now life was going to be amazing. I told myself that once that had happened, everything was going to be great. And like we spoke about before, everything was not great. <laughs> so, like I looked in the mirror and I was still depressed. I still had no confidence. I still didn't like who I was. Um, all of these things, I convinced myself that losing the weight was going to make better. It hadn't helped at all. I convinced myself that this external thing that was a problem wasn't actually the issue. But now I had nothing to hide behind. Now I could no longer blame my lack of confidence and everything else on my weight because it was gone. And I, that was like kind of the wake-up call for me. Of there has, I need to kind of understand what's actually going on in my head. And that was kind of why then when I started kind of transitioned through that, I wrote my book, which was focusing on helping other people lose weight and get healthy. From there, I kind of opened up my business working with other people and helping them go through similar transformations. And one thing that I found is for a lot of people, they know exactly what to do. Like they know that they need to eat healthy. They know that they need to exercise, but they're not doing it. And I just became fascinated with finding out why. I was like, why are people not following through? And that was where I really started diving into psychology and mindset and understanding the way that our brain worked. And that was kind of what led me on this different tangent where I moved away from being someone who wanted to focus on the nutrition and health part of it, which is amazing, but the underlying reason of why people can't follow through with it is where I found that true passion and calling, and that was how it kind of evolved into the mindset and performance aspect of it. But all of that kind of started from this initial idea of I want to get in shape. And kind of going back to my original point of, when people kind of ask, oh, I want to find what my passion and my purpose is, and they want advice on how to do it, the advice I always give them is go and try new things. Like you're never going to figure out what you're passionate about by just doing the same things that you've always been doing. Yeah. Like if I use myself as a perfect example, like growing up, I was terrified to exercise. Like I was always that overweight kid. Like the thought of going in a gym was awful. Like I remember the first kind of time I went properly in, there was all of these big guys and they were kind of grunting and staring at their biceps in the corner. And I kind of told myself the story at the time that, oh, it's too busy, so I can't work out now. I'll come back later. Whereas in reality, it's because I was so afraid I was going to get judged. And luckily, I pushed myself after my dad's kind of cancer to go and face it again. I was like, this is something that I have to do. I need to get over this. And that kind of action caused me to then eventually get to the point where I was actually, if I want to do this, I want to get better at it. I need to learn about nutrition and fitness and all of that would then go on to kind of spark my passion in that field to write a book and then start helping people and build my business. All of the one action of pushing myself to go to the gym. Mm -hmm. Like none, I wouldn't be doing what I did do today if I hadn't pushed myself to face that one thing. And I found a passion in a field that I otherwise never could have imagined. Like if you said to me seven years ago, this is the industry I'd be working in, this is what I'd be doing, I would have laughed at you like, mm -hmm. because I thought it was stupid. Like I remember um, like 10 years ago going out with one of my drinking buddies because we'd go out partying constantly and he was focusing on the gym. He was like, oh, I don't want to drink tonight. I'm just going to have an orange juice because I don't want to affect my training. And I remember telling him they was being stupid. Like I just couldn't comprehend it. Like that was the fixed mindset I was in. 
Yeah. So it's just like when people talk about wanting to find their passion, the way you find it is you put yourself out there, you make yourself uncomfortable, you try new things, and that's going to open up your kind of brain to see who you truly are. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like I said, kind of like long-winded kind of, but it's kind of shows that it's not a linear path. It wasn't like, oh, this happened and all of a sudden I got here. It was all of these little learning experiences along the way that kind of led through it. No, the incremental learning experiences for sure. I mean, have you read um, or heard of the, the Hero with a Thousand Faces by Joseph Campbell? I've heard of it. I've never actually read it. So there's there's one particular quote from there um, that resonates with exactly what you were saying. Um, the cave that you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. So the gym that you fear that you enter held the treasure that you sought. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, again, like looking for the looking for the pain points, looking for the things that make you feel uncomfortable, and instead of like identifying as oh, this is uncomfortable, I don't want to do it. It's like okay, why is it uncomfortable? What is it about this experience is uncomfortable for me? Is there something that I can do to change that? Yeah, I think like I'm all about trying to look on the bright side of every bad situation, yeah. which is why. What I'm about to say, I don't want to. I want to kind of say up front that I'm not kind of obviously saying that what's going on in the world is a good thing, because obviously it's not. But if we kind of look at the positive, this for a lot of businesses is going to force them into a corner where they are going to have to do something different because it's been so easy the last few years to just kind of play it safe, to kind of stick to what you're doing. It worked, it was getting results, it was making money, everything was fine. And a lot of people, while they might have had ideas, they wouldn't have acted on them because they didn't want to mess up what they were doing. Whereas now they're forced into a situation where they have to think outside of the box. They have to take bolder actions. They need to innovate. Otherwise, they are going to get left behind. Like it's not some thinly veiled threat. It is literally a situation. If you don't adapt and evolve, your business can go under. Like we're seeing it all of the time of people who are sticking their head in the sand, who aren't making their big decisions and their business is going bankrupt. Whereas, which is why I think this is such an exciting time from a business standpoint where we're going to potentially jump forward decades in advancement because people are going to be forced to think of what can I do differently? As kind of a perfect example, take someone who's in the events industry. Yeah. Like, running events, conferences, whatever it is, overnight, their business was shut down. Like the amount of people I've spoken to who were doing an in-person business, which no longer is possible. So they've really got a choice. They can either quit, they can give up, or they can be like, okay, that isn't possible right now, but what can I do? How can I now take that online? How can I find a different solution? How can I, like, as an example, my uh, girlfriend, she runs uh, marketing events, and they were doing it in person in London and Birmingham. Well, that's now not possible anymore. So they've had to shift it to deliver that event via a webinar and kind of doing it online and kind of adjusting to that. So it's all about thinking of these new ideas, which may actually find best practices. You might find an avenue or path of something that you were doing in the past that may seem like it was working, but maybe there's a better way. And I think it's going to be so many changes in businesses that are going to be for the better. Like remote working is one of them. The amount of kind of businesses who, who are like, we can't have people working from home. We can't run our business remotely. It simply isn't possible. Well, 
they very quickly found out that it is possible. Yeah. And I think from a kind of personal standpoint, I think it's going to improve a lot of people's kind of quality of life because businesses have been forced to adapt to it. And if they see that actually people can get better results when they can have that flexibility, they, it's something that it would be ridiculous to kind of go back to the old way of doing it. Mm-hmm. So I think it's going to be a lot of exciting changes in that kind of sense yeah. where this whole kind of thing is going to bring about a lot of positive stuff as well. And on a, on a more like individual level as opposed to on a business level, um, I found in my personal experience that um, events that have some some level of emotional trauma associated with them. So it could be like the loss of a job, it could be a breakup, it could be something like that. Those events are the things that have led me to realizing that, okay, I need to look at not just my habits, but also my mindset. It's like, what got me here? What get me where I want to go? Do you think that on a more individual level, Obviously, this is a very emotionally trying time for a lot of people. Do you think that this is going to provide um, the stimulus, that sort of stimulus to, to people as well? 100% is it's kind of that forced into change because so often people just get comfortable. Like yeah. if I go back to when I was in that corporate job, I kind of had this mindset of I need to prove myself, I need to get experience. I was like, I'm miserable right now, but I don't have a choice. It just became my kind of normality. Whereas now we have a shift in the new normal. People are being forced to become uncomfortable. And often when we talk about being uncomfortable, we kind of see it as this bad thing. Whereas actually when you're uncomfortable, that's when you grow. That's when you change. It's when you find out who you truly are and what you want. And a lot of people might have been just kind of going through the motions for too long and just used to the fact and just kind of putting up with things whereas now a lot of that's been disrupted and while it may be a very trying few months and like there's no kind of sugarcoating it for a lot of people they might be struggling now or if they're not yet they've got a very challenging road ahead but it's the people who actually adapt to that and use it as a learning opportunity who are going to come out far stronger on the other side so I think it's going to be a lot of realizations of actually this isn't what I want anymore and I need to do something different. Nice. I think that kind of leads me perfectly into, the, uh, into my last question. So I like to ask this question to all of my guests and it's tapping into broadly what you just said. So if, you ask, if, you, if someone is listening to this and they find themselves in that situation whereby they may be feeling particularly depressed, particularly anxious, in a situation where they know that something has to change, but they don't know what to do, what would you recommend be their first step in on that journey? Um, just to kind of backtrack this slightly, one thing I just kind of want to throw in there yeah. is anxiety is a huge problem right now. But what most people don't realize is you become anxious for two reasons. Reason number one is you're focusing on a future event and you're viewing it in a, in a negative light. And reason number two is you don't believe that you can properly handle it. So that's why the anxiety comes on because you're focusing on something that you don't know the outcome, you don't know what's going to happen, you don't know how it's going to turn out, but you're already convincing yourself that it's going to go badly and you're not prepared for it. So we need to realize that straight away because often by cutting off that trigger, 
and understanding that we don't know what's going to happen can take so much of the stress and pressure off of it. So for anyone who's really anxious right now, I'd really challenge you to think about what are you actually anxious about? Like what specifically is causing your anxiety? Because by having that conversation with yourself, you can really start framing it in a way that you can understand why you're feeling that way. And that's going to open you up to far more solutions. And from there, kind of going back into your question, once you've kind of done that, the way I would personally approach it is to go back to what I spoke about earlier, get a pen and paper because it's so much easier and write down what are all of the kind of options. Like, let's say you're someone right now, your business is struggling, it's gone under, you've lost your job, like you're in this very awful situation. You really have, you can sit and kind of worry about the things that have gone badly or you can figure out what are you going to do about it because so often in life, these things that have happened, they're awful, but they're out of our control. No amount of dwelling on it is going to make it better. So it's kind of giving yourself the bit of time of being like, okay, this sucks. Maybe you need a few days to kind of just process and deal with it. But then setting a timeline of, okay, I'm going to pick myself up and I'm going to figure out what are all of my options. And just write them down. Like write down every single option that you have to potentially move forward. And then you can go through them, process of elimination, be like, that's not a good option. I don't want to do that. I could see myself doing this or this could work out. And you can just kind of piece it all together. And that's going to give you your first step. Fantastic. So, yeah, I can say. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's near enough perfect. <laughs> if anyone's listening and they need some real practical advice, then that is 100% the yeah. best thing to be doing. Yeah. Awesome. I'm kind of, one thing I just want to throw as kind of like a thing into that is, look, for the people listening to this right now, if you're having a difficult time, like it sucks. Like there's no two ways around it. Like a lot of people are being thrown into situations right now, which is simply unfair. Like the amount of kind of businesses are going under, people losing their jobs, like it's awful. But at the same time, every situation, we can't control these things, but we can control what we choose to do about it. So we can either kind of allow it to control our emotions and how we feel and our state of mind, which as someone, like I said to you, like I used to struggle a lot with depression and anxiety. It was because I was allowing my situation to dictate how I felt. Yeah. And when you realize that you have the ability to choose how you respond to any situation, you can take that weight off yourself and you can really start seeing it in a new light. Now, I'm not saying that that's going to take the problem away, but it's going to allow you to start approaching in a different way of being like okay this has happened what am i going to do about it going forward because that's all that really matters in every problem and situation that you find yourself in you can't change the past but you can change the future and just asking yourself okay what am i going to do about it take back the power for yourself and i think that's like a, the if anyone just takes nothing else away from this and just gets that kind of realization of they can take that power back and start figuring it out, then I think it's time well spent. Awesome. That is the perfect place to finish. Thank you so much for coming on, Byron. This has been a fantastic chat full of all manner of actionable, valuable information. No, thanks for having me on. I appreciate the time and kind of letting me kind of talk. <laughs> oh, not at all. And thank you everyone for listening and we'll see you next time. That was Rolling Forward. I hope you enjoyed listening to this as much as I enjoyed recording it. 
If you enjoyed this episode or you feel that there is something that I should be talking about or someone that I should be talking to, please don't hesitate to get in touch. The most effective way to do that is to leave a review on iTunes or whatever podcasting app you are listening on. I will read any and all reviews, so please leave me your comments so I can provide you with even more value. Again, I hope you enjoyed this episode and I will see you next time.